Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's good to see you here this morning. Glad that you're here with us at our 830 service. If you're online, thank you for joining us. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. And we're going to be, once again, in quite a few places. So you'll need to mark your Bibles or put your fingers in certain spots here. So I'm going to give you all of them up front. We'll be in Genesis chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5, and 1 Peter chapter 3. Genesis 2, 1 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5, and 1 Peter 3. So for the last two weeks, we have been in a a series called The Family Matters. The first week I preached on marriage, the purpose and design for marriage. And last week, Eddie shared a great message on moms and grandmothers. Today, I want to focus on husbands and wives. And so this will tag on to the sermon two weeks ago about marriage. So we'll be speaking specifically about the role of husbands and wives. Now, before we jump into the message, I want us to quote our memory verse together. Now, I want to warn you, when you look at the screen here in a moment, there's actually some blanks, okay? All right, so... Make sure that you make sure that you look at the screen and don't say blank, okay? You gotta say the word that's filled in with the blank, alright? So we're gonna start working on this together. It's the first line that has a few blanks. So you can see on the screen. Alright, there it is. Okay, so Proverbs twenty-four, three through four. Let's say this together. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How did we do with the blanks? Everybody give me a thumbs up. Does anybody want to confess? I didn't do as well. Anybody? All right. All right. We'll continue to work on that memory verse um, individually and as a family. And who knows next week what blanks might show up on the screen. So Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. Now, as we begin talking about husbands and wives, I want to let you know that if you are married in this room, you are not allowed to elbow your spouse unless they happen to be falling asleep, okay? If you are married and your spouse isn't here, I want you to listen carefully, not only for yourself, but also for your spouse. As we'll see later, God can use your actions to display the gospel. If you're single in the room, listen to the Bible's vision for a husband and wife, not only to uphold doctrine from God's word, but also as a way to serve those of us in the church that are married. You can pray these things over married couples. You can encourage married couples in these things. If there's any of you in here that are among the youth, you're likely not even thinking about or considering marriage at this moment, or you better not be. But I hope that you'll capture the Bible's vision for husbands and wives. Now, because the world is filling you and giving you destructive visions for manhood and womanhood, the TV shows, movies, advertisements, 
They distort true masculinity and femininity. And the, the entertainment industry takes advantage of women to make money. And so if you're young and not yet married or not even considering marriage, don't be led astray. Build your life upon God's word and his vision for husbands and wives, not the world's. So to begin, I want to I first lay a biblical foundation. It's important for us to start here as we look at husbands and wives. The biblical foundation. We start with creation. We know that God establishes the man and the woman's equal worth and dignity in Genesis 1.27. It says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So it's very important that as we talk about husbands and wives, we're not talking about distinction in worth, as if man is superior. We're talking about a distinction in role or responsibility. This becomes even more clear in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2 details how God created the man and the woman, and it's from the way that God created that we understand an order and distinction in the role for the husband and wife. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living creature. Now, Genesis 2, 18 through 23, if you'll stand with me as we read God's word together. So as we build on the biblical foundation of husband and wife, here's what the Word of God says. Genesis 2, 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to the, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The man, Adam, said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. You may be seated. Now I want you to notice as we, as we continue to lay a biblical foundation, I want you to notice that man is created first and then the woman. We see that in Genesis 2, 7. When God creates the woman, he does not create her from the dust. He creates her from the man himself. We see this in Genesis 2, 21 and 22. It's also clear that God created the woman for the man to be his suitable helper. We see that in Genesis 2, 18. So in the Bible, both of these observations become the basis for Adam being the leader in marriage. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul will actually build off of his understanding of Genesis chapter 2. 
we find some of the Bible's clearest teachings on headship in 1 Corinthians 11. If you'll start with looking at verse 3. He writes, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Now skip down to verse 7. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. So what we see here in 1 Corinthians 11, as we continue to lay the biblical foundation, the head of a wife, the one with primary responsibility of leadership, is her husband. Paul makes this conviction very clear by the two things he observes from Genesis chapter 2. The woman was made from the man, and the woman was made as a suitable helper for the man. Another significant passage is Ephesians chapter 5, if you'll flip there for, for just a moment. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Paul writes, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So again, we're seeing that the husband is the head of the wife. But here's something's added in Ephesians. Paul adds something here. Not only is headship consistent with God's original creation design, it's also consistent with the way marriage should image God's should image Christ's relationship with the church. We saw this two weeks ago as we looked at marriage. The purpose and design of marriage is for it to image, for it to mirror Christ's love for his bride, the church. The purpose and design of this is for us to show Christ's love for his bride, the church, to the world. So here's what this means, and this is important for us to grasp as we look at the role of a husband and the role of a wife. When the husband serves rightly as the leader, and when the wife submits to his authority, they do so to demonstrate the goodness of God's creation and the glory of God's redemption. Husbands, as you lead in your home, you are displaying, you are demonstrating the goodness of God's creation and the glory of God's redemption. Wives, as you, as you submit to your husband's leadership in the home, you are demonstrating the goodness of God's creation and the glory of God's redemption. Now, all of that's wonderful and glorious, but we know how difficult it is on this side of Adam's sin. Due to our sinful nature, the role of husband and wife gets seriously distorted. The union, the the harmony in a marriage that can be present suffers because of our sin. I doubt anyone in this room that has been married for a day 
has not realized or felt the grip of the fall on your marriage. Something he does or did shattered your trust. Maybe you feel ripped apart by competing agendas for life, where to live, where to work, how long to be in school, when to have kids, how much to spend. There can even be disharmony on the issue of who gets priority during the holidays with the in-laws. There's disagreement that lingers for days instead of intimacy. Instead of resting in our identity in Christ, you, you feel like your worth is threatened anytime your spouse gives you counsel. I mean, this never happens in my marriage. I don't know. I, I'm sure it doesn't happen in yours either, but we know exactly what to say to get under our spouse's skin. Not in mine. I'm probably in yours. But our words, they can, they can send daggers to the heart. And the list could go on and on, couldn't it? I mean, we're sinners. And I said two weeks ago that the problem and primary issue in your marriage is not your spouse. It's your sin. And I also said two weeks ago that if the primary problem and the primary issue in your marriage is your sin, the answer for your marriage is Jesus. And the same is true for husbands and wives. You are not capable to carry out your responsibility as a husband and a wife apart from Christ. You cannot do it. We have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need to be made new. And this is exactly what God does for us in the gospel. Through a relationship with Jesus, He can and He does make us new. He gives us new affections, new desires. He puts His Spirit within us so that we can obey the Scriptures. He loved us and He sent His Son to die for us that we might have new life. And apart from this new life, the role of a husband and a wife that honor Jesus are impossible. So we need grace. We need forgiveness. To live these roles rightly. So what does a biblical role of the husband look like? I want to start with you men. If you look back at Ephesians 5. Beginning in verse 25. Husbands. Love your wives. As Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So that's going back to Genesis. We looked at that two weeks ago. 
Then Paul writes in verse 32, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So it is important for us to look at this biblically. The role of a husband, because it is a disgrace to Jesus Christ, to his church, and to women everywhere when men abuse authority and oppress women and do it under the guise of biblical headship. So first, let me talk about what it's not. Being the head of the house, the leader in your home, is not domineering, but servant-hearted. It's not domineering, but servant-hearted. The Bible commands husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. The Bible explains leadership, headship, with this servant-hearted, sacrificial love of Jesus. Jesus Christ, He loved His bride. He loved His bride with, with such abandon, and He willingly gave Himself up for her. So your role as the husband follows in the footsteps of Jesus' love. It's not domineering. It's servant-hearted. Biblical headship is also not harsh, but honoring. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. 1 Peter 3.7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you, of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So true headship is not rude and uncaring to the needs of your wife. Headship honors the woman as the fellow heir to everything in Christ Jesus. So gentlemen, leadership in your homes means carrying the primary responsibility Uh, to lead the marriage with Christ-like character. And this kind of leadership will manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Let me me name four just real quickly. This kind of leadership plays out first in spiritual leadership. You are to be the spiritual leader in your home. Throughout the Scriptures, we see that in Genesis, that the Lord commanded the man not to eat from the tree while the woman had yet to be created. After the man and the woman sinned, the Lord then holds the man accountable first. He goes to the man and he says, who said that you were naked? And what does Adam do? It's the woman you gave me. Yeah, he shifts the blame. He doesn't, he doesn't show spiritual leadership in that moment. No, he shifts the blame. It's her fault. Ephesians 5.25 implies that the husband wash his wife with the word, for this is the way Christ washes the church. And so practically, brothers, this means you need to be immersed in the word and pursuing God in his word. You will not fulfill your calling as a husband to lead your wife if Christ is not leading you. 
as you walk with Christ and as you obey His Word, you're leading your wife to imitate Jesus, to love Jesus more fully, to obey Christ more fully. Your role is to lead in such a manner that over time, the marriage, your marriage, better images Christ's union with His church. Spiritual leadership also means that you will lead your wife in godly choices. It includes you taking the initiative in planning. It means setting priorities for your family. Is your schedule healthy for your marriage and your family? What are you sacrificing, men, in the long run if you're more committed to your job and getting the extra paycheck than you are your own wife? Gentlemen, our wife's spiritual growth, our family's spiritual growth must be a priority for us. We need to set the pace spiritually. Plan time to read the Word with your wife, to pray with your wife, to ask her, what is God teaching you? To also share with her what the Lord is teaching and instructing you. Brothers, it doesn't have to be polished, but be purposeful. Lead her spiritually. A second aspect to our leadership is protection. Not only is it, is it spiritual leadership, but it's also protection. Adam failed to protect Eve from the serpent. He knew exactly what was commanded, and he failed to protect her in that moment. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 gives us, it says that Christ gave himself up to disarm the rulers and authorities against us. In the same way, husbands, we can reflect Christ's protection of the church when we protect our wives. So your leadership, it includes both protecting physically and spiritually. We must take the initiative in protecting our wife. Now, growing up in the Hollingsworth household, um, there was a there was a big respect for Daddy Hollingsworth. That's my dad. I respected him, and I had a holy fear of my dad as well. So there was this time when I was in the alley playing with my cousins and my two older brothers. And being the youngest in the family, we're standing out there playing baseball. And I'm pitching, and I'm pitching to my oldest brother, Scott. He hits the ball, they round him up. Then my brother, Todd, gets up, and I pitch to him. Then my cousin, Colby, gets up, and I pitch to him. Well, then my mom, and I don't know how it worked in your household, but my mom gives this whistle from the backyard. Everybody knew that when that whistle happened, you better get in the house. So everybody heard the whistle. My two brothers, they jet to the house. My cousin, playing the serpent, he says, Matt, pitch me a few more, and then I'll let you hit. Well, I haven't hit yet, so I'm, of course, going, that's enticing. And so I pitch him a few more. He hits him, and then he runs into the house. So now I need to pick up the baseballs, I need to pick up the bases, and I need to get the bat. And all the while, my mom is in the house counting. Here's what that meant in the Hollingsworth household. You're going to get some spankings. So I walk into the house, 
and I think she's on like 74. I don't know what number she's on. But I knew full well as a little boy that I disobeyed my mom and I'm in trouble. And so I throw a fit, freak out, probably run around the house, and she continues counting. She finally spanks me, and as she spanks me, pure, innocent Matt Hollingsworth kicks a leg and kicks my mom square in the face. Yeah, it gets worse. And at this time, I, I, I do believe this. I don't know if it's true, but I really believe that my brothers are sitting on the couch going, one more, mom, keep going, keep going. But I kick her square in the face. She stops, gets on the floor, finds her glasses. And I think, innocently, well, I'm done. I'm finished. So I, I stand up. Little did I know that my dad had walked through the door the moment my foot swung up and kicked my mom in the face. So my dad very calmly goes and puts his lunch up. I'm thinking again, hey, nope, no skin off my back, I'm done. And he walks over to me and I'm sitting on the couch and I promise you, this is what it felt like. He grabs me by the shirt right here and it's like he lifted me in the air like a superhero and he begins to spank me and if i walk with a limp today it is because of that discipline that my dad gave me and i remember i remember vividly that story and here's what my dad said to me my dad said you will never do that to your mom but you will never do that to my wife it was in that moment that I gained even more respect for my dad. And so, gentlemen, I don't care if your wife is a black belt in karate. You protect your wife. You protect her. It means providing care when she's sick or weak. It means removing potential temptations when she's had a hard, long day. It's taking time daily and praying against the enemy's attack on her behalf. The serpent is crafty. He will go after your wife like he went after Eve. And we need to be watchful of his tactics. Speak gospel truth to her. Keep yourself pure, men. And pray for your wife. Protect her. Not only is it spiritual leadership and protection, but it's also provision. Leadership includes provision. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord put the man in the garden to work it and keep it. In Genesis 3:19, the Lord says to the man, by the sweat of your face, you will eat of bread till you return to the ground. So in light of what the Lord also says to the woman, this indicates the primary responsibility of the husband to provide. This doesn't mean that the wife can't work outside the home or earn income. The woman in Proverbs 31 does exactly that for her family. Priscilla was a tent maker alongside of her husband Aquila in Acts 18.3. So husbands, we need to do everything we can to provide for our wife and our family. We work hard. We don't complain about work. We do it out of joy of serving our wife. We work hard to provide what's needed. 
Lastly, our leadership includes delighting in your wife. So spiritual leadership, protection, providing, and delighting in your wife. We saw in Genesis chapter 2 that Adam uses poetry to describe his wife. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, this she shall be called woman. He uses poetry. Deuteronomy 24, 5, it says that when a man takes a wife, he shall not go out with the army nor be charged with any duty. He shall be free at home one year and shall gladden his wife whom he has taken. I know we're not under Old Testament law, but I think that should still be in effect. Right? A whole year to gladden your wife? That's awesome. What a gift from the Lord. Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, it encourages the husband to delight himself in the wife of his youth. Song of Songs provides an intimate portrayal of the husband enchanting his wife with beautiful words. I'm not going to read that, but you can see it in Song 4, 1 through 15, and chapter 6, 4 through 10. Ephesians 5, 29 says that husbands are to nourish and also cherish their wives. So brothers, delight in your wife. We do a great job to try to get her to date us, don't we? Man, we'll go to great lengths to get her attention on us. And then even during the dating process, we'll, we'll do a lot. Man, I, I wrote notes, sent flowers. I even, I even got this cheesy teddy bear one time. Snuck it to her door and knocked and ran. Right? I mean, I did all kinds of stuff. You do too. But then all of a sudden we, we tend to get married and we stop. We need to gladden and delight in our wife. Notes on the mirror. Holding her hand regularly. Writing that cheesy love note. A date night with just you and her. A surprise phone call from work just to say I love you. Affirming her in Christ. Maybe you set aside some funds in the budget just for her to spend on herself. Okay, maybe not. But delight in your wife. Delight in your wife. And as you do that, this image is God's delight in His children. Because in Christ, God delights in you. So husbands, we won't always get this right. There's grace for this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But let's seek to imitate Christ's selfless and sacrificial love. Let's lead our wives well. It's our responsibility. And it's our honor to do so. Well, what does the wife's role look like? As you can see, I probably do not have a lot of experience in that role. But let's talk about the wife's role for just a moment. As we read earlier in Ephesians 5, the wife's submission to her husband paints a picture of the church's submission to Christ. So God designed the wife's calling to image the beautiful reality of what happens to all of us when God saves us and we submit to Christ as Lord. So when a godly woman submits to her husband's leadership, 
her life becomes this beautiful portrait that reminds us that Jesus is worthy of all our obedience. This is why you you submit to your husbands. But as I did with husbands, let me clarify a few things for a moment. Biblical submission is not ultimate submission. Biblical submission is always in relation to Christ. The husband's authority over the wife is a derived authority from Christ. In other words, sisters, you do not need to obey your husband if he's asking you to follow him into sin. Nor should you feel that you that feel like you can't say anything when your his leadership is out of sync with God's word. Proverbs 31:26 says that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So there's a way for you to speak while also affirming a desire to follow his lead, but only as he leads in obedience to Jesus. Let me say here for just a moment. It's very important. There might be some sitting in this auditorium this morning that are in an abusive relationship. I would encourage you to get out and to get help. The church submits to Christ, but Christ is never abusive to his bride. Submission is always in relation to Christ and full of hope in God. If you need help, we're here for you. We encourage you, get out and get help. The goal through all of this, the goal through your submission is to mirror the church's submission to Jesus Christ. Wives, what a remarkable calling you have. Because in your submission to your husband, as he submits to Christ, you mirror, you image the church's submission to Jesus. So what what are some things the wife's role includes? First, it includes following your husband's lead. Following your husband's lead. Ephesians 5, 24. It says, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now we've already said that this excludes situations where the husband is leading his wife into sin. But where that's not the case, the wife defers to his lead. A wife gladly submits to her husband as he submits to Christ. Your husband is the man that you agreed to follow as God's word transforms him. Now, I'm fully aware that not all of you believing wives have believing husbands. Instructions like this certainly present challenges and obstacles and maybe even great grief. Because how does a wife follow a husband's lead at all if her husband is not following Jesus? Well, 1 Peter 3, God knows your situation. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, 
Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of self, putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women of who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. And here's an example of that. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So in this, we see that there are times when your allegiance to Jesus will conflict what your husband desires for you. But Peter's point here is that where you can follow his lead and not sin against Christ, do so. And do so with the hope that he might be won over to Christ. This is what Paul says. He says, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So sisters, your, your respectful and pure conduct can be an instrument in God's hands to show your husband that Jesus is worthy of full obedience. Your, your respectful and pure conduct can show your husband that Jesus is worth it. So as you follow your husband's lead, you have the privilege to image to others the church's submission to Jesus Christ. Your submission to your husband becomes a theater wherein your husband sees that Jesus is worthy of his obedience as well. Follow your husband's lead as he follows Christ. Secondly, help your husband. Help your husband. Going back to Genesis 2, remember that, that God created the woman for the man to be his suitable helper and this is a glorious role this is one way the wife can image god in her calling alongside her husband i I was reading a book called helper by design by elise fitzpatrick she offers some questions in that book to help wives take steps toward helping their husbands here's some questions that she says to ask i'll put these on realm this week She writes these questions. In what ways has God called my husband to rule, and how can I help him fulfill that calling? Another question. What does my husband spend time thinking about or reflecting on, and how can my help sharpen his thinking or cause it to be more productive toward Christ and his kingdom? Another question, what can I do to bring godly joy into our relationship? What influences could I bring to bear upon him that would help him glorify God and reflect him more fully? She also asked this question, how can I, as a wife, help him with mentoring and nurturing our children? Last question, she says, with whom has he been called to relate And what would helping him in these relationships look like? 
As I was reading this book, Helper by Design, I appreciated these questions because they don't squelch the wife's gifts and personality. God designed every woman in unique and beautiful ways to bear God's image and to use your gifts to make much of God. And what I, what I loved about this book was what, what Fitzpatrick says is that when you marry, these gifts are now also used to help your husband. Not just for your husband's sake, but for the marriage's sake. It's not just about the husband. It's about mar- the marriage imaging Christ and the church. So help your husband. Finally, lastly, the wife's role also includes respect and affirmation. Ephesians 5.33, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know as well as I do that respect can be given through words, your tone of voice, your countenance. As you follow his leadership, Affirm him. I don't know a, I don't know a man in this room that doesn't want to receive words of affirmation. Your words to your husband matter. Let him know that you're proud of him. Respect his decisions as he follows Christ. Respect who God made him to be and speak life into his God-given strengths leadership and spiritual gifts respect and affirm your husband so a wife's submission means following affirming and helping her husband in a way that helps the marriage image the church's submission to Jesus Christ so husbands and wives let me encourage you to continually draw strength from the gospel Draw strength from the person and work of Jesus often. Marriage is difficult. Being a husband is challenging. Being a wife is challenging. But he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Husbands, may the way you lead your wife image the sacrificial love of Christ. Wives, may the way you submit to your husbands reflect the beauty of complete devotion and obedience to Jesus. And as you do this, by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, your marriage is a light in a dark world. And it gives testimony to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word this morning. Lord, I know that as we look at the role of a husband and a wife, many of us see where we fall short. But God, your grace is sufficient. And Lord Jesus, we need your help as we fulfill this role of a husband and a wife. God, I pray that our marriages 
and specifically how we fulfill these roles that you've called us to. God, I pray that they would be light in the world that has so much distorted view of biblical manhood and womanhood. And God, that they would display the glory of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, I pray for husbands in this room. Lord, I pray that they'll be the spiritual leaders in their homes. That they'll take action to be in the Word themselves, to lead their wives spiritually, to encourage the fruits of the Spirit in their spouse, to challenge. Lord, I pray that they would reorient their schedules to make you, Jesus, the priority. Lord, I pray that they would protect their wives. That they would work hard to provide. And that they would delight in their wife for your glory. And God, for the wives in this room, Lord, what a privilege it is to display to the world glad obedience to your word as they submit to their husbands. Lord, I pray against the enemy's attack, what the world says about submission, because it is completely contrary to what your word says. And so God, I pray that you would stir within the wives in this church submission to their husbands as he submits to you. And that as she does so, the world would see what it is to obey Jesus Christ. So God, be with our marriages. Help us to be the husbands and wives that you called us to be. Lord, as we come to this place this morning to reflect and to respond to what you've taught us, Lord, I pray that we would take a moment to confess sin, repent of it. We would take some action steps to be different. Lord, if there's anyone in this place that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that this morning they would submit their lives to you, knowing that you love them, that you gave yourself willingly for them. May you have your way in this place and in our lives and in our roles as husband and wives. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and respond as we sing this song of invitation. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage. 